Once you pick up the camera, you start talking to a camera. It's like, it's intimidating. There were moments where I was like really quiet and you know, you watch it back in the edit and you're like, ah, Sarah, you don't talk like that. What are you doing? Literally the only way to get more comfortable with it is to just keep doing it. So you don't have to post every video you make, but just make those videos, watch it through. It's gonna be cringy in the beginning, but you just have to make, 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 make. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Golden Hour Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Mays, and we're here in the Polar Pro Studio. Today's guest is Sarah Deegee. Sarah is a tech and creativity storyteller on YouTube, podcast host for the podcast That Creative Life, as well as an overall entrepreneur. Sarah has built a huge following on her YouTube channel, making tech reviews, tutorials, and travel videos, and she is one of the hardest working YouTubers on the platform. Sarah currently resides in New York City and enjoys the New York City commuter lifestyle, taking her Super 73 electric bicycle to and fro her studio in Lower Manhattan, and that is actually where she did her interview with me over the phone due to the current times that we're in right now. Before we get into my interview with Sarah, I'd like to remind you all to subscribe to this podcast in your podcast player of choice, and if you already are a subscriber, please share this episode with someone who you think would enjoy it. All right, without any further ado, let's listen in on my conversation with Sarah. So we're here with Sarah Dietschy, Rhymes with Peachy on the podcast. This is real exciting times because we're doing this over the phone because Mm -hmm. of the old uh, you-know-what that's going on in the world. How is it over there in New York City? It's definitely empty. Um, (laughs) It's one of those things that people took a while to really Mm. understand that it's serious. So I'm glad to see people taking it serious. I I need to do, I need to kind of adjust because I've been inside for over a week now because I've been (laughs) really paranoid about things. So people are like, no, like go take a walk, just stay away from people. So I'm in the camp of like, I actually need to get out a couple, a couple (laughs) times because I'm, I'm going a little stir crazy over here. Yeah. It doesn't hurt to just get some fresh air, go for a walk, ride your bike. Ride your boosted exactly. board that isn't serviced anymore because they went out of business. Ugh, it's so tragic. <laughs> it's a real problem. I'm so sorry about that. You mentioned <laughs> that you had some uh, broken ones earlier before. Yeah, I mean, both John and I are big fans of boosted board, ride them all the time, but yeah. we have four or five of them because we literally go through them like crazy. Like, mind you, we've gotten a couple boards free over the years, but most mm. of these are like, us paying real money for it so it was actually pretty (laughs) tragic when we learned that they went out of business because we let's see i think i think it's three we have three or four literally just broken that we've been needing to send in for service and now nothing it's like radio silence so we have thousands of dollars of paperweights over here (laughs) (laughs) i will say the boosted board new yorker lifestyle is definitely a really unique uh niche if you will because like i've always wanted to own a boosted board but like in california you have to drive like literally 30 minutes just to go to the coffee shop you know what i mean it's 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 literally like a new york san francisco lifestyle yeah that's very difficult to use it anywhere else because once you start bringing them on sidewalks too you're you're really endangering normal people who are walking because they get so fast so it really has to be somewhere that you ride them on the streets and i've Mm -hmm. never felt safe in la doing that do you have bike lanes that you ride on or is it like you literally go on these streets um 
it depends what street like you have to get you you have to know <laughs> sometimes the road is 100 safer because mm-hmm. The bike lanes in from the famous Casey video is probably yeah. one of the most dangerous places in New York. Like That's tourists so will funny. just walk into it and not uh, even look, not even tourists, re- just New Yorkers, whoever, they just have no respect for the bike lane. So you get people walking, <laughs> you get bikers with, you know, kids that are super slow. It's just, it is not, a, and you get cars pulling into it, dropping off people and opening up doors. So yeah. honestly, usually the street, believe it or not, is safer than the bike lanes a lot of the time. <laughs> um, you just have to keep up with the cars, you know? You just got to try crazy. to hold your own. <laughs> well, you you guys are definitely in a unique position there. And I'm, it sucks for you that you got, you know, some dead boosted boards. Maybe some... Yeah. Uh, some little like third party random Kickstarter people will start like a service company yeah. that will fix it. Well, yeah, that's what we need. A little service company, not more <laughs> boost, not more electric skateboard companies. Yes. If if like boosted can't do it, no one can, you know. Yeah. I've been that's a good I mean point. that's why we've yeah. been switching to Super 73 a lot. Um and just they're LA based, they're, right? Yeah, yeah. And they seem like they they're like a better business. <laughs> they mm. they seem <laughs> like they have more of um stability maybe. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. It seems we'll like see. Boosted got wrapped up into the kind of Silicon Valley like yes. we have to make our investors happy bubble where it's like, all right, these It's uh, not a product, it's a lifestyle. And yeah. then they over leverage themselves with the most expensive scooter ever <laughs> and then no one bought it and it seemed you know, like a I'm cool sure they, scooter but you can get a yeah. lime you know anywhere you go mm-hmm. so exactly anyways exactly. all right we have this little game that we play on the show it's called rapid Ooh. fire i have a couple questions Hello. to ask it's just quick uh answers to these questions and uh, oh i'm ready I'm, i'll ready? try not to draw it out I'm, okay. I feel like I'm notorious for being like, well, um, 15 minutes later. <laughs> well, we can, if there's some interesting topics that come up during the rapid fire, we can go back to it. Amazing. Okay, here you Hit go. Me. So, uh, what do you like more, photo or video? Oh, video. Mac or PC? PC. Android or iOS? iOS. YouTube or Instagram? Ah, uh, YouTube. Do you like being a host or being a guest? Ooh, <laughs> mix both. Okay. Breaking the rules. Saying, you're only saying that because you're you're the guest right now. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, personal curation or cur- commercial work? It's like personal Ooh. work or commercial work. Oh gosh, I like the blend, which is YouTube personal work. And then partnering with companies that get mm. my vision and I can share that with them. Favorite place to travel to? New York, where I live. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I see okay, why I'll, the... say, I'll, I'll, I'll say Texas because that's where I'm from. Yeah. And Favorite... you know, you get the fuzzy family vibes, <laughs> but the New York is just unlike anything. Favorite thing about New York City? Mm. Uh, lifestyle, busy, walking. I'm not mm-hmm. walking at all right now, but <laughs> you know, the fact that I can ride my electric bike, ride my boost board anywhere I need. Describe your content aesthetic in one word. Ooh, in one word, edutainment. Ooh, I love that. All right, that's it. That's, that's the rapid fire. Boom. You did a great job. 
Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> that was, it's hard. This one word, very difficult. Yeah, no, I, I totally can relate. Uh, the personal work or commercial work blend is totally right up your alley because you're mm-hmm. kind of known for saying one for you, one for them yeah. kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, can you elaborate on that? I know that's kind of your mantra. For sure. It's one of those things that has sustained me since the beginning of this. Uh, with YouTube, it, I didn't see a ton of people making it their job in 2011, 2012, once I started posting videos. So once 2016 hit and it really started to be a thing, I had been posting videos for years and years and years. I always realized that, okay, YouTube might not be my full-time job, but I'm going to continue corporate work. I'm going to continue posting YouTube videos. So whether it's, whether one for me, one for them is a balance of, Mm -hmm. okay, we got to do one for them, the corporate work, one for me, post a passion project on YouTube, or now how it's shifted that I am a YouTuber. Um, You know, that's definitely shifted to the types of content I make. The one for me is just pure fun that I know I'm going to love to shoot, edit, produce, Mm. do all of it. And then the one for them is definitely more of the searchable content. I know it'll help grow my audience, but maybe it's not the most fun thing to make. So (laughs) I think a lot of people have that, have that, um, they, they see YouTubers and they think, oh, that must be everything that I've ever wanted. Complete freedom. (laughs) You don't have to answer to the man, but once you're in it, you find that you you actually have to do a lot of stuff that you don't want to do. So I think it's just making that balance and, and making sure it's not yeah. all for your audience. It's not all for the companies that you collaborate mm-hmm. with. It's not all for the AdSense because that is when you're going to burn out. Absolutely. And, you know, one for you, one for them, but you can still try your best to make the one for them, if you will, in quotes, yeah. to be still something that you enjoy doing, right? I mean, I know you do totally. that. But one hundred percent. But yeah, it is a job. It is a job sometimes, and sometimes when you do your job, it's not always like you know, it's not always fun at all the mm-hmm. time. But that's okay. And you but- know, what? you might have an opinion on this, but mm-hmm. I, when I was in school, I was a math science person, and I mm-hmm. always hated English. And so I ask, <laughs> I ask people now with their creative jobs, I'm like, listen. I'm sure a lot of us hated English, but do you find yourself writing more now than literally ever? <laughs> like brand yes. proposals, concepts, mm-hmm. emails to people. And it's not just here or there. You got to make sure you're actually sounding eloquent. I'm like, dang, <laughs> I probably ha- should have taken English more seriously. Well, you ha- you pay for Grammarly, right? Like the, the upcharged version of Grammarly? Um, I don't. Oh my gosh, you need to get it. It literally just reads your email for you and says, put a semicolon here, change this, add this phrase. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. You're you're welcome. That's interesting. (laughs) It literally looks at you. It doesn't just fix your your misspellings. It literally looks through your grammar and can correct Mm. sentences and everything. I'm surprised Gmail doesn't have that built in. Come on. I know, right? You're right. Well, yeah, it is something they could replace for sure. But for now, Grammarly is pretty great. Not an ad. <laughs> Not a sponsor. Hashtag um, ad. Give us the money, Grammarly. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's so true, though. I mean, I, I'm i in the same boat. I was a science person. I loved science. Hands-on. Anything hands-on was a blast. I loved, you know, 
looking at a frog cut open it was that was my favorite thing right and uh and even math i, I don't say I, I liked math i think i liked geometry quite a bit i wasn't a fan of algebra and some of the really confusing math things that yeah. to me it was like why am i learning this like i'm not going to be a rocket scientist like you know but um I think that is a whole nother topic, like <laughs> the education system and how oh, totally. now our phones have smart calculators that can do algebra mm-hmm. that like, unless you literally are doing it day in and day out, why are we learning this? <laughs> so exactly. Um, but anyways, yeah, I totally can relate to where you're at with that. Um, but it's still, you know, it's still a ton of fun to, to make videos oh, for totally. a living. And that's, totally. that's why we all started, right? So mm-hmm. Um, yeah, oh so, yeah, it's much better than engineering. <laughs> so where are you <laughs> from our perspective, there's I have a friend who's uh he's an engineer and he loves it. So I mean, you know. Well, good. Or, yeah. Good for him, right? Good um, for him. <laughs> <laughs> so where are you from? You said Texas. Mm-hmm. Tell me about I'm that. I'm southern, y'all. Heck so yeah. I grew me up too. in Dallas, Texas. <laughs> um, grapevine specifically. So if you guys have ever been to DFW Airport, you've been like super mm-hmm. close to where I grew up, um, which is honestly such a adjustment. I grew up being mm. like, oh, yeah, I got to fly somewhere. It's a five minute drive. Now mm, being in yeah. New York, we have a ton of airports, <laughs> but with traffic, you have to account literally an hour plus. Unless you're Casey your, and you book a helicopter and, to the airport. Exactly, but. exactly. We're not there yet, guys. Subscribe to uh, my <laughs> podcast, my YouTube channel. And <laughs> just put a, put a zip line from your apartment to the, uh, yes, to the airport. That'd be great. Yes. Zip line over there. But yeah, so Dallas, Texas. And I lived in Nashville, Tennessee for nine months. So I don't mention that a lot, mm-hmm. but it was definitely well, I know a blip that. on the map. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It was a blip, but it was a significant blip because yeah. the, that blip in Nashville is when you blew up. Exactly. So I had a lot of people thinking that I was from Tennessee. And mm-hmm. really, I was kind of just passing through on to New York. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was always obsessed with New York City. I visited for the first time with my uh, my main mall. Uh, for my graduation present uh, in high school. And mm-hmm. that was the first time that, honestly, I had ever seen a a real city, like outside of Dallas, because I would go <laughs> and hang out with friends in Dallas. But yeah. a lot of American downtowns are exactly the same. Dallas yeah. is cool when it's bustling, but once everyone goes home, it is dead. Nothing is happening. And I always thought that was just a city, right? But then you yeah. go to New York and it doesn't shut off, you know? It's a city that yeah. never sleeps and the big buildings and they're all so close to each other and you grow up mm-hmm. watching the movies of the city and I kind of just became obsessed from that point on. So when I had the chance to move 6 years later, uh-huh. 5 years later, I just jumped jumped on it. Nashville was cool, but it was definitely a it was a transition was, time for you. Yeah, and it, it was so similar to Dallas. Um mm-hmm there was more of a creative scene just because country music's there but i very quickly realized if i am not in the country music scene or the music scene then what are you even doing really (laughs) if you're a video creator there your trajectory is directing music videos yeah and you know i'm from there and i grew up there and i like was obviously a part of the video scene there for about 10 years I lived in Berry Hill in Nashville, and then okay. we were living in like right outside of downtown Nashville before we moved, kind of near the airport over there. Um, okay. 
And yeah, I mean, I can relate. It was only 10 minutes to the airport. I would just take an Uber. It was like 10 bucks to go to the airport. Exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, my experience there was very positive. I met some of my best friends in the world. Seth Worley, who's a big director yeah. who works with Red Giant, he uh, is from there and lived there and I started working with him. But yeah, like you said, I mean, it's it's a ton of music videos and a lot of um, country music stuff. Chris, the whole yeah. Christian music industry is there too, yeah. so you got all that. But yeah, moving to New York City, I mean, you blew up because of one thing and i know that it can be annoying when people like meet you and say hey i saw you from this one thing and it's always the same thing yeah tell me about that one thing for people who might not know what that was yeah so i had around 3500 4000 subscribers at the time it was a slow climb from my first video in 2011 to 2016 and mm. i'd always been into video and I started editing literally in sixth grade. Editing started way before I ever even picked up a camera. I would borrow people's cameras to film, but I was just never into it. But iMovie and then Final Cut 7 and to the point where I was thinking about it the other day and I've literally been video editing for over 10 years, which is just insane. Wow. Um, but, you know, I always had that passion. And when I explored different things, like, oh, buying my first real camera and stuff, I would just make videos about it and make videos, uh, post the stupid music rap videos I would make in <laughs> high school. And then I would post a Taylor Swift concert I go to. So I was collecting these like 100 subscribers here and there. And then I started doing tutorials. And, um, you know, while I was getting more advanced into Premiere and all these things, I would just share the process along the way. And once I got more serious about it in 2015, 2016, I kind of went with that, okay, one for me, one for them thing. Like mm -hmm. every video that I post, like I'm going to try to post two a week or at least two a month. And I have to at least have one video a week, one video a month that I know will help reach beyond my audience. Mm -hmm. And that was just one of those videos that week. And I, at the same time I had been um, you know, really pursuing a lot of my passion projects. I made a docu-series called Creative Spaces TV. It was, mm -hmm. you know, it seems like people are like, oh yeah, people do that all the time now. But like in 2015, <laughs> uh, very few people were making like docu-series about creative mm -hmm. spaces and going into people's spaces, showing how they do what they do and where they do it. So that was my passion project in 2014, 2015. I had a new season coming out. So I was like, okay, one for me, this Creative Spaces TV episode. And then I got to do something that's going to reach beyond my audience. So um, I had been watching Casey for a while. And, you know, he started this vlogging thing, which I just thought was insane. And yeah. I had kind of seen it from the ground up since I had watched his stuff since the Nike video and all those things. Um, and I was like, wow, he is really quirky with all of his the way he vlogs how he does it and so he had just hit like a million subscribers on youtube which is crazy since he's over 10 million now i don't know mm -hmm. and i basically <laughs> just made a parody on his vlog in the beginning of um 2016 and it went crazy viral after he shouted it out um, the next day in his vlog and you know all of a sudden I went from 4,000 to 100,000 subscribers in the span of a month and ever since mm. then I've been chugging along it's so amazing and that is where I discovered you first but I did binge your content and started kind of getting addicted to the vlogs that you were making at the time and kind of 
you know, your transition into New York life and all yeah. that. How how old were you, by the way, when all that happened? 22, I think. Like, was Nashville, was moving to Nashville kind of your first, like, out of the house experience? Or, like, did you yeah. already have an apartment yeah. when you were so in te- I, Texas? Yeah, so in college, luckily I had... Um, an engineering scholarship and so mm-hmm. i was just in the mode of like i don't want to spend oh any money that engineering but- uh comment i made earlier really stands true <laughs> to you then because you were supposed to be an engineer i didn't know that exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Oh so gosh. i studied electrical engineering for two years i switched to computer science did that for a year and a half um you're crazy and then i, I didn't out. know that wow that's <laughs> yeah. awesome yeah so um I mean, I justified it for myself because that mm-hmm. was the only thing I could get a scholarship for. I was like, okay, electrical engineering. That seems great. I'm into guitar. I can make guitar pedals and amps for the rest of my life. Sounds good. Um, it's a cool and, you know, it sounds it sounds good when you like go back uh, for Christmas to Texas and you're like, yeah, I'm uh, just pursuing my engineering degree. You know, that sounds great for the grandparents <laughs> and the aunts yeah. and uncles. It's very so, tangible and realistic and practical. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, and, you know, I tried, I studied a ton in high school, so all the hard work paid off, finally got mm-hmm. a scholarship. Okay, great. And I lived at home because, um, again, that ish is expansive. And then <laughs> um, I, yeah, gosh, when was it? I think so, after the two years. Oh, yeah, yeah. So basically two years, three years in Texas at UTA, University mm-hmm. of Texas at Arlington, mm-hmm. and then a half of a year, one semester at Belmont, Nashville. I spent more money on the one semester at Belmont than I did ever in my entire life. And it just, it wiped me clean because I was, I didn't have a scholarship for Belmont, you know? How Um, much was that? But luckily that's when- 10 or 20,000? Oh no, it was 15. Yeah, 15, 15. 15. Oh my gosh, that's for one semester? Are you kidding me? Oh my mm -hmm. gosh. And I'm telling you, I think people really need to- experience what it feels like to have money like that come directly from an account like you making the deposits Mm. you because in that moment i had never i had had a scholarship before that and i had about um you know super hashtag blessed my grandparents gave me you know hundred dollars of coca-cola stock every year for christmas so i had like 15 or 20k in a college account and Mm -hmm. so when you're in high school you think oh my gosh y'all i am set are you kidding me? <laughs> 20K? <laughs> like, That's so much and then money. Yeah. you start going out into the world and realizing, oh, all of these colleges I'm looking at, even in state, <laughs> are going to be at least 20k a year. Uh-huh. Um, so that's when I really pedaled to the metal on the ACT score and all that stuff. I'm like, oh my gosh, I better get a scholarship for this. But okay. it was wild to see all of that go to zero with a one semester in Belmont that I didn't even finish. <laughs> and I was like and that has definitely formed my uh yeah three and a half years in college and not even finishing it has definitely informed a lot of my opinions on college which is so funny because you didn't go into debt though then no no because that that, that was the moment because I was like it goes to zero and I either Mm -hmm. cut bait right now and YOLO nothing to lose like (laughs) if I'm living for my plan b right now at the age of 21 that is awful like Mm -hmm. are you kidding me like this is the time to strive for your dreams and go for it right um so I was like I need to take this as a sign this is awful but Mm I am not in the hole and I don't want to go in the hole for something I hate like it just it just seemed the the ulterior just seemed 
impossible. I, in no way could I see myself as a computer science person. Um, mm. <laughs> is that what they're called? Computer science <laughs> a person? Si- a science person. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it was one of those things where, you know, a lot of late night discussions with my mom and stressing out. But at the time I was really like getting it on the side, working with a production company, doing all my video stuff. And it really mm. seemed possible. I didn't even think, I didn't even think of like YouTuber, but I thought, okay, if I continue with the production company stuff, eventually, if it's in five years, I can make video like a thriving career. Yeah. And um, yeah, so it dropped out. <laughs> That's like a really <laughs> epic college dropout story. I love it. I'm a YouTuber. Yeah, I was only in for a year and a half. And oh, nice. What were you studying? Uh, I was. I wanted to be. I wanted to work for Pixar. Like I wanted to oh, go nice. to, I was going to go to Savannah College of Art and Design in Georgia or Ca- mm-hmm. or uh, Cal Arts out here. But, and uh, yeah, I was doing magic at the time. I was a professional magician and I was doing a show for like 3000 people that weekend. And then I was shooting a wow. wedding the following day and I was going to make like a thousand dollars for a wedding yeah. shoot. And, and I was like, like, dude, we're doing it. I wasn't, I was like doing my math test. I was like, why am I here? (laughs) (laughs) I'm already doing what I love now. And literally school is keeping me from doing more of it. So what Mm -hmm. the heck am I doing? Especially when you find that tick and you want to do more. I think it's such a disservice not to follow that. um, Exactly. Because so few people actually find that in their life. So if you find that obsession and it's It's something that there's at least an ounce of possibility you can make money from it oh my gosh mm-hmm. you owe it to yourself to full send and i mean was your were your parents supportive of like once you quit and started doing youtube were do they have an entrepreneurial background at all or did you grow up around that not really i would say my grandparents do mm. um my daddy bail and meemaw um, that's my mom's side from Weatherford, Texas. <laughs> you uh, gotta put that country Daddy, drawl on there when you say it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's very hard to say Daddy Bill without, uh, yeah, any draw. But he, so he had a, um, him and his dad, well, it goes even back farther. So my great granddad mm-hmm. on both sides, it was such, it's so crazy to hear these stories, but back then you really just did whatever you could. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they were dirt poor, but they would literally just build a house. (laughs) They would learn how to build a bridge. They would, I mean, the stories are just insane. And so on my, uh, so one of the great grandparents, he made that into like a construction company. And that's now what my grandpa runs with his son, my uncle Judd. And so they're definitely entrepreneurial and they're definitely a great representation of hard work in terms that I, you know, they also run a farm, they have cows and um, I've made a couple videos there, but Mm -hmm. I've never really thought about it, but they're definitely a representation of entrepreneurship in my family. I didn't grow up directly with that. I mean, my dad had a very normal like manager's job uh-huh. uh, at like a um, Microsoft. And uh, I think he like managed people who did customer support stuff. Mm-hmm. With, I, I don't but know. Your, Isn't that weird? How it's it, in your blood though. You really don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's weird how you really don't know what <laughs> your, your parents, do. parents yeah. do. But yeah, and my <laughs> mom was true. a stay-at-home mom. And so I got a lot of, um, 
I mean, I literally, I think I grew up with a perfect blend of, you know, Gary Vee always says he's perfectly parented. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, I don't think perfect is a very strong word, but I think I'm <laughs> very closely perfectly parented yeah. to where it was a good blend. Like my mom was like, hey, if you keep doing well at school, you keep doing well in basketball and guitar. Mm-hmm. You know, she did my laundry, she cooked, but it was always a very clear uh, line of if you start slipping in any of those, guess what? You're going to start doing some chores. <laughs> um, so it was, it was. Your mom's so sweet. She's almost like a character in, yeah. on your channel. I see her all the time. <laughs> yeah. She's so sweet. Yeah. So it, it was, it was a really cool. I mean, I was a very stressed out child though, because I put a lot of pressure on myself to just perform in mm-hmm. any possible way, whether it was, you know, basketball was my life and the music was my life and school was my life. And I had always been as much as you can be an underdog from like a, uh, a, um, why am I losing the word? Uh, middle class. There you go. Mm-hmm. As much as you can be an underdog as a middle class Texas bubble white girl, I've felt being the underdog for Mm -hmm. for some reason that I was always trying to prove myself. And I think it was because all the friends I had, it was Mm -hmm. around those people where, you know, you kind of kind of resent because they're just naturally smart and they get <laughs> they get put in the smart classes uh-huh. naturally in elementary school and I, you know it was one of those things where I literally had to beg my librarian my fifth grade librarian when they were placing everyone into the pre-AP classes for middle school mm-hmm. my mom and I literally had to beg them like put her in pre-AP classes like yeah she's not you know she wasn't in all the advanced classes in elementary school um, but allow her to prove herself you know i think it's so whack that they only like they predetermine the smarties in elementary (laughs) school and then only them go into the pre-ap and ap stuff so i feel like yeah my entire life for some reason i just had so much to prove to people even though there there wasn't like my parents weren't super Mm -hmm. strict it it was always just like oh my friend hayden who doesn't even try who's nice maybe shouldn't have used his real name but (laughs) shout out to hayden what's up um he was my best friend in uh elementary school and um, middle school Mm -hmm. he was always like oh the naturally smart kid Mm -hmm. and i didn't get put in the pre-ap classes so yeah i can relate to a lot of that because i i did mad i was a nerdy magician i was in the marching band i was also (laughs) in a rock band i play guitar too i don't know if you knew that yeah and then um and then i did videos and animation and like I tried so hard to kind of stand out and be unique and in a way it helped like people knew who I was and they they seemed to like me but I feel the same way that you felt because like I, I don't know I just I wanted to prove that I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna go the traditional route I'm not gonna be like a yeah. banker or like but a then realtor. at the same time you have to you have to conform to <laughs> mm-hmm. all of that stuff if you want to be put in the smart classes or yeah. you know so <laughs> well i didn't yeah i, um, I can't relate yeah. to that i was not in the smart classes and nor did i have any desire to um <laughs> yeah basically all of that gibberish was it was always like studying, taking the test, mm-hmm. doing well, repeating that cycle of getting getting very excited with the reward of like working hard, right? I got addicted to that very mm-hmm. at a very young age. And I think that's just carried on to um, my entire life. Do you have siblings? Yeah. So I have a little brother okay. and he's so funny. He's, I think I ranted about this to a friend recently and I won't get into it, but he 
his entire life has struggled with a ton of stuff like dyslexia. Mm. He had open heart surgery at a very young age. Um, he's three and a half years younger than me. And it's so funny once you get older and you start deconstructing how you are. And <laughs> uh-huh. a lot of it definitely has to do with, I was the center of attention. Mm-hmm. I was everything to my parents. And then this little fart came along, <laughs> took the attention away from me. All of a sudden he needs all this help in school. Uh-huh. Oh, open heart surgery. He's he's the center of everything, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, so I think a lot of it came from, honestly, a life of being used to people looking at me and then trying to um, gain that attention back, which makes sense that I'm a YouTuber, you know? <laughs> but yeah, all in all, like it was a very um, nuclear family vibe of everything was good. You know, <laughs> didn't have any awesome. dramatic childhood experiences. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, <laughs> it was my poor brother who had all of them. <laughs> <laughs> and yet you still had to be the center of attention. Um, <laughs> exactly. What an asshole I am. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. It's very, people are going to be like, who is this chick? She's the worst. <laughs> no, I think it's really important to talk about these things. Cause there's so many people that can relate. I can relate to your story as a creative, um, I think a lot of people that listen to the show, sometimes you can feel like the outsider, especially when you grow up. I mean, I grew up in, in the, not just Nashville, but like I grew up in the rural, like country area, like in Lebanon. I don't know if you know where that is, mm-hmm. but that's where I Mm-mm. was around all that. And same for you. Like it, there are city areas in Dallas and there are nice places there and there's nice places in Nashville, but it's not like New York or LA where you're surrounded by people who are working hard uh, to create, mm-hmm. to create a career that will last a lifetime that are doing what they love. Um, as far as like being out here, being a YouTuber in LA, it's not weird. Like nobody thinks it's that weird. Yeah. Uh, same for New York. Like it's kind of almost mm-hmm. normal to be an entertainer, but when you grow up in a place where there's no photographers, there's no filmmakers, there's no, uh, yeah, you're the Artists. weirdo. And then you get pressured to be a freaking electrical engineer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. And you want to just like prove to the world, like, look, I'm good. I'm I'm successful. I can do these things. And even though, exactly. even though people are like, you know, weirded out by what you are and what you're doing. And I think there, I think, do you think it's valuable for people who struggle with that, who are adults and that are able to leave their home? Do you think it's valuable to move to New York or LA or like, or at least go into the city mm-hmm. and be surrounded by people like them? Or can yeah. you make it, you know, out in the middle of Oklahoma, you know, mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere? Yeah. I mean, I think the most amazing thing about the time that we're living in is that it doesn't matter where you are. Mm-hmm. And where you are actually might be the edge that you need to be unique. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are a lot of YouTubers in LA. There are a lot of people in the industry in these pockets, which you get a lot of benefit from because the collaboration, the lifestyle. Um, but there, there's so many channels that I think people find a lot of relatability to because, hey, maybe they're in the burbs or maybe it's just so different that, I mean, all these YouTube channels showing day in the life of uh, different people in Japan mm-hmm. is really blowing up right now. And I think it's because, oh, you know, we're just innately, I think, so curious about different cultures, how different people do what they do. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. Oh, that's weird. So um, I think for me, it just lined up. The most important part for me was where I was in my life in terms of it lining up with my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. A lot of people who leave New York say, oh, 
the only thing people care about there is what you do. You go get drinks. First question is, hey, what do you do? What's your career? Mm-hmm. I love that. <laughs> I'm like, I'm a very um, not isolated person. I'm very much so introverted and extroverted when I I don't hang out with people a ton, but when I do, mm-hmm. I love it. I get energy from it and I want to make stuff. Mm-hmm. M- me hanging out with a friend is like chilling, doing a podcast or, mm-hmm. um, you know, just talking about the world. And for some reason, I, you know, I just, if something productive and creative comes from it, that's just so exciting for me. So the, the pace of what I was used to in Texas, people just hanging out to hang out. It's just, <laughs> it kind of like, I, I never yeah. did that. And because, because hanging out to create was still not normal, mm-hmm. I just didn't hang out with people. Yeah. And then I moved to New York and hanging out with people is synonymous with creating something. And so I really just, for me, I feel like I truly am where I belong for now. Of course, that might change how my, when my lifestyle has changed, sure. but I think it really has more to do with like who you are as a person and what you need in your life at that time there's a ton of benefits that like the talent pool here is amazing Mm -hmm. where if i need help from freelancers it's really easy to access that for collaborations for building community Mm -hmm. um but i definitely think in terms of happiness you really got to do a deep dive on what you need to be happy because it's this it's the little stuff that you don't even think about like the fact that i can walk to somewhere and get a healthy lunch like i can't right now i can't walk into sweet green right now because <laughs> yeah. what we will not name but yeah. um like stuff like that and being able to walk to meetings mm-hmm. and walk places i mean it is because i work so much i mm-hmm. like being on a treadmill for 30 minutes just seems like torture to me. Like, why would I do that? So the fact that I can get my working out, my movement, my, um, all of that from just living here and, you know, there's juice press, there's sweet green, there's all these ways to also keep a healthy lifestyle Mm -hmm. without trying is very exciting there, for me. There's plenty of just yeah. There's plenty of creators that have proven that. I mean, Mr. Beast, who's the king of YouTube, he lives in Greenville, North yeah. Carolina. Um, the Dude Perfect guys, I think they're out in Texas, right? Um, yeah, they're actually from where I'm from. Uh, <laughs> didn't, they're, weren't they they're given like a warehouse, warehouse or something? Space is in great yeah, fine. It's insane. Yep. Like you can't buy a warehouse in New York. Like that's just not going to happen. Yeah. Um, and exactly. Yeah. And like, but then you got like, for me, like it's what, 67 degrees with a light breeze. It's wonderful. And so nice. it's so great to just like go outside and be outside every day. There's why there's so many fit mm-hmm. people in California. Cause it's nice every day. Yeah. And then New York, exactly. all the benefits that you're listing. So like, just go over the pros and cons. And if you live in another country, of course there's different cities in your area too. Uh, we've got some amazing yeah. European listeners of the show. So what shout mm-hmm. out, um, we can't we yeah, can't visit you right now, but shout out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think world events right now are are proving that you don't have to be in the U.S. to have a stable lifestyle. I think countries outside of ours are doing a very good job right now of proving their worth. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and other things besides business and capitalism and stuff. So it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's very interesting. You can you can do whatever you want from wherever you are. Absolutely. So. Moving on to um, like what initially got you started as a YouTuber, like was it filmmaking? I mean, you you listed all these interests that you had. I mean, when did the love of like making videos and the mini docs and like all that, where did that come from? 
I think, let's see, in sixth grade, I started playing electric guitar and then at the same time started dabbling around in iMovie. So in garage band, like we do. So I think it, it starts as a genuine curiosity in the beginning. And honestly, just having an iMac back in the day mm-hmm. was a really good, um, just a natural progression into creative stuff. You know, you'd open up GarageBand and you would play around with the loops and I would make a song just of loops. And I love that. I would sit there for days and just make three minute songs mm. from the Apple loops library. They're so good. <laughs> um, I played around with them too. So good. So yeah. good. Yeah. And then, you know, oh, okay. Well, GarageBand is fun. Maybe I can learn iMovie and iMovie is pretty simple. And it started with just kind of putting moving images to music and I never thought it would turn into a real thing. But then as I made the goofy music rap videos for middle school and high school, mm-hmm. um, and you know, that was fun. Uh, and just getting, just hanging out with my friends and again, creating, that was the funnest time that I would have with my friends. And that really evolved into more serious things you know if you my dad had a canon t3i and you forget that that didn't have autofocus that didn't have so many things that we have now Mm. um and that's why i think i was pretty frustrated with filming because of just the technicalities i'm like there's so there's so many things i have to learn from that and editing was such a gradual learning process of in the first five years there was no pressure and then i in freshman year of high school, I took an A for V class. They taught us on Final Cut Pro 7. And being in a, what would you call it? Like a more classic classroom mm-hmm. and really going to class and having a dedicated hour to learn these things and having a teacher who actually knows what he's talking about was actually really productive. And I mean, I wish every high school could have a a for V mm-hmm. curriculum because it was actually really good. And I think that's when I started learning more of the technical stuff. And I learned about color grading and I learned, oh, this clip is a little too purple. So let's change the tint to a little bit more towards the green mm-hmm. side. And, you know, that's where I learned some more technical stuff. And that really launched me to do more serious projects, whether it was a random travel film or I would start doing wedding films. I think all of us have, have the, uh, wedding film experience whether we love it or hate it and (laughs) that really became like I became obsessed with telling stories I mean wedding films are such an immense pressure it's not you're not putting just a montage together you're telling someone's love story no pressure right (laughs) and so when I was doing that I was like okay how do I channel this more into you know, passion projects. And I was so obsessed with watching shows like MTV Cribs and mm-hmm. where, where they were sharing cool, creative people, the house they lived in and all that stuff. And it got to a point where I was like, God, like stop showing their refrigerators. I want to see 50 Cent Studio, like, come on. <laughs> and I was like, why, why can't I make that? That would be cool. So I just hit up a friend in Nashville and she... She's like a, she does so many things. She's so cool. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Naomi. She's a real estate agent now, but she used to be like, or maybe she still does uh, the acting gigs for more 
like commercial industrial videos you know that like employees watch yeah. so she's always getting headshots done and stuff so i was like hey you said you were getting headshots by like a cool photographer can you connect me to him and really the first episode of creative space tv where i had this grand vision of you know cool docuseries showing off creative spaces and how they do what they do really just started with my friends uh portrait taker person Mm. who actually turned out to be a really cool photographer that got me the video job at the production company in nashville so really everything's so connected and that just proves to you that the um you know a lot of times the actual jobs that you're gonna get Mm -hmm. come from your own passion projects come from your own pursuits a lot of my youtube projects is i did them for free because i just wanted to make them and i wanted to collaborate with people and learn from people and learn how they did what they do mm-hmm. and then almost always they lead to opportunity um i think people get too in the zone of I'm like you gotta pay me what i'm worth and blah blah, blah. <laughs> but how are, how are they supposed to know what you're worth when you don't have any work yeah exactly <laughs> so exactly so i think a lot of times you have to kind of create for yourself what that ideal portfolio Mm -hmm. looks like right you have to create the work that you actually want companies and other people to Mm. pay you to make did you want to be a filmmaker was that like your goal to like move to hollywood and like direct movies and stuff like did you want to be an actress no i mean on it no honestly youtube came at the perfect time i didn't know that i wanted to be a youtuber Mm -hmm. but i feel like i'm exactly living out what i that's how i want to be doing because there there was always the vibe of like oh i could always make full feature documentary films Mm -hmm. because i love telling real stories and you know forming multiple different stories into one story arc i feel like is such a fun challenge it feels like i'm almost doing like math problems again yeah but i i hate scripted content i do not like really acting but yeah i had a gig recently that i was kind of miss um they 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 didn't communicate what it really was. Mm-hmm. And it turned out to be much less, oh, this is just fly in the wall. You guys do your thing. It's going to be documentary vibe. Mm-hmm. And it was like 100% acting and doing the same thing over, oh, okay. you know, 10 times in a row. And that's just the worst. <laughs> it's the hurry up and wait thing. Uh-huh. You're not in charge of how it's going to look, how it's going to sound. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it is just not for me it's so fun when it's projects like recently i got to do um one of those jake rober uh ropers um youtube originals Mm -hmm. and i was in the ghostbusters episode and that was so fun because the youtube original shows they're they're so on a uh on a time crunch that it really was we filmed everything in one long day and it was so much fun like that felt like I was back in high school making like a personal project. But I think once you get to acting in like strictly corporate stuff where it's just 100% branded content, that's when it gets a little not fun. So maybe that's just not fun for anyone. You know, maybe the acting world is actually much more exciting than I'm led on to be, but (laughs) no, YouTube is great. (laughs) I can totally relate. I mean, like I mentioned earlier in the interview, I was a magician for six years professionally. That's how I met my wife. She was a waitress and I was performing at that restaurant. So we met through magic. That's what I tell people. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I started doing films just like you, weddings, tons of weddings, 300 weddings, actually over 300 
Wow. Yeah, it's nuts. Um, and mini documentaries. I had a Vimeo staff pick back in the day because Philip Bloom tweeted nice. one of my videos. And so I wanted to be like Mr. Nashville filmmaker, music video guy. And but then like I felt like this skill set of performing just kind of went away. And it wasn't until I saw Casey that I realized, wait a minute, he's got like a quadruple threat. He's a director, yeah. he's an editor, he's an actor. And yeah, you got to do it yeah. all when you make YouTube videos. That's what makes it so exciting. And that's what and I exhausting. love about it is it's literally <laughs> exhausting all of my skills. Like, and not only that, mm -hmm. but like if you don't have somebody on staff who's doing your like analytics and stuff like that, I mean, coming up with titles and thumbnails and looking at the analytics, mm -hmm. looking at the science of it, it's like a, it's like a science. It's kind of fun to do that too. Mm -hmm. Right. Do you like that side of it as well? Or is that part of the grind? For I... You? I mean, I, I wish I I wish I had a better answer for you, but I am just so busy with videos. <laughs> yeah. I, I do spend a lot of time on like, okay, what's a good thumbnail and title, which I, is like the worst part of YouTube. <laughs> um, but I really don't dive into the analytics at all. I mm -hmm. just know, okay, once a video bombs or it does well, what happened there? <laughs> <laughs> let's maybe look at it for a second yeah. but then i just move on um i wish i could be more mr beast <laughs> analytical but that's what makes him so great really right is. is he loves that yeah. side of it and that's why he's crushed it because he plays it like a game exactly yeah. exactly and it's like if someone could come along and do all that for me that'd be amazing but mm -hmm. i'm I'm good already, <laughs> all the things that I'm doing. Maybe at some point I can focus on it more because it's definitely one of those things that's lacking. But um, yeah, things just stay busy. Going to take a quick break in my conversation with Sarah Dietschy to recommend that you guys check out the Light Chaser Pro mobile filter system for the iPhone 11 and Galaxy S20 Ultra. The iPhone 11 Pro and Galaxy S20 Ultra systems are changing the game in mobile content creation. The cameras on these flagship phones are seriously getting to the level of professional cameras. If you want to push the boundaries of what a mobile phone can accomplish, then you need to check out the Light Chaser system. The complete creative system is built specifically for mobile filmmakers and photographers to deliver shots never before possible on mobile devices by controlling unwanted light before it enters your lens with our mobile optimized variable neutral density filter and circular polarizer. With the VND filter on your phone, you can now get the cinematic looking shots you always wanted with the device in your pocket with ease. In addition to a filter system for your phone, you also get a rugged case and adjustable hand grip making hand holding your phone much more natural and more like a real camera. The grip also includes a quarter 20 thread on it so you can use your phone on tripods, gimbals, and whatever else you want to mount your phone onto. To learn more about the Light Chaser Pro mobile filter system, check it out on our website at Polar Pro. Com. All right, now let's get back to the show. I can I ask you? I want to ask you a YouTuber question. Um, I've yeah. I've tried editors and shooters, and I know you have as well. I still resort to like shooting stuff myself and editing myself. Is there something about the YouTube genre that you think almost works better when the creator is actually creating the whole thing all the way through, or is that just kind of like totally? But it's it's completely different like that's what i've been discovering the hardest thing that i've had to do recently is hire mm -hmm. and it is 
so difficult. Yeah. I don't have as much of a connection with filming. Um, so I go through a lot of different people when it comes to filming. That's what's, again, great about New York is you have a lot of people coming in and out. So mm-hmm. I, Freelancers I and really stuff. churn through people. Mm-hmm. And the thing with filming is you still have like the clips that they filmed and whether it's good or bad, you still have like they've done their job, right? Yeah. Editing is hard because if they screw it up, you're starting from scratch. You're (laughs) re-editing that entire video. And I think there's so much about YouTube editing that the normal editor is kind of like unaware of mm-hmm. uh, jump cutting and yeah. telling a story like you're not you're you're not just laying down all the clips on a timeline and cutting yeah. like no that clip that I filmed in the beginning might be better at the end and that mm-hmm. b-roll needs to go here and how do you make a compelling like don't put a 30 second b-roll segment what you're going to bore people to death <laughs> like don't a, do that a, and, there's like a whole you know, subset of editors that need to like put themselves out there that are like YouTuber mm-hmm. editors like it's a completely Mm -hmm. different genre i've I've literally i've thought about this because i've had such a tough time and and what i've realized is attitude is better than someone Mm. who's like a professional wedding filmmaker because even editing wedding films is different and so what i found is the experience level because so many people are not used to doing youtube videos really having someone as cheesy as it sounds with like a can-do learning attitude Mm -hmm. is has proved way better because i've wasted so much time on people who are just like not excited not willing to learn so nothing ever changes if they're aware that there needs to be learning and they have a good attitude about it then they're down like they're gonna be really responsive to feedback and once you look at traditional jobs you see hey if you get a job as a bank teller at a bank you have a month of training and i think we're expecting editors to just like plug and play and it doesn't work like that so you just have to know that if you pursue that, there's going to be a lot of training. You're going to have to, and that's the hardest thing because you're hiring someone to not, to be able to work on other stuff. And now you're telling me that I have to double down and work even more <laughs> to, to get someone to a point that they can edit the videos. Uh-huh. And that's just the, that's just how it is. So I've, yeah, I've been learning a lot, learning that you actually have to sit down and train people, write stuff down about your process. And I've, I was thinking so much about what you said earlier in that like I every YouTuber I talk to has this problem and I was like I feel like I could create and see again I don't have a full-time editor so I don't have time to do this but if I ever do or if someone ever does this is a free idea guys if (laughs) anyone in the community is like a credible YouTuber Uh you could build like a YouTube editor school and it goes through like a very rigorous Mm -hmm. process of everything that you have to know and you literally have to get like a stamp of approval at the end like a YouTuber literally has to deem your work worthy Mm -hmm. to get the you know certification of youtube editing so that there's this pool of people Mm -hmm. that you know have these skills that you can go and pick and plug and play wouldn't that be just like i know i just described basically college (laughs) but no no that's brilliant because there's so many youtubers specific skill need to hire they need it you can't just go on Mm -hmm. any of these hiring websites or like even even, you can't go into your local filmmaking community and be like hey send me some editors because 
most filmmaker like air quote filmmaker editors or whatever like they're gonna scoff at the idea of youtube in general like that's a yeah that's kind of a crap job for them to do in the first place so exactly and what's and what's so crazy is we're living in this time where oh my gosh do you see all of the quality content that's on youtube mm-hmm. even the um publications <laughs> right content. now the uh what quality is it the, content. Is that Je- uh, jennifer aniston that said that <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. You tweeted that out um, like crazy. I love yeah, that. That's so true. I, I loved that Jimmy Fallon, or I think it was Kimmel, when she was yeah. talking about content. I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, this is crazy. Um, yeah, but you know, all these publications like mm-hmm. Wired, New York Mag, Vogue, mm-hmm. there, there's even Linus even Tech beyond tips. the YouTuber Linus Tech Tips. There's so many YouTubers and establishments that are making this high level docu-style stuff that Mm -hmm. man i would i would be proud to say hey i edited that so i think it's the times are a change and people need to have a little attitude change you know (laughs) like youtube is not a step down like this is what this is what the industry is going towards you know yeah going back to your original question i think a lot of my youtube channel is my editing style it's me right mm-hmm. so now i've completely reversed it to where i'm i'm no longer looking for people that can do the complete edit because i always have to re-edit but i do actually the first cut and make sure everything that i want cut is cut the structure is perfect it's the way i want it and then i have a editor come in and like add text vfx any b-roll that's missing mm. pull any assets and that's a way that i can watch the edit and not cringe that oh my god that jump cuts wrong you know because that's what takes forever to re-edit so i think it's different for everyone it doesn't take that long in final cut pro x but i i I hear where you're coming from i'm just kidding yeah (laughs) (laughs) uh sarah is a uh are you you're in premiere right oh yeah yeah oh yeah all the way and I remember you, I don't know why, were you doing like a video series on different editors and you were using Final Cut and you were like texting me, you're like, how do I create a project? (laughs) Like, uh, okay, so you go to new, it's projects are actually called something different. They're actually called libraries. And then inside of the project is what you call an event, but it's technically a project. And then a timeline isn't a timeline. It's actually a storyline. Like you got all these different things. But once you learn of those things, I mean, I've been on Final Cut since the day it came out and I haven't switched back ever since. And once you optimize it, it's just like anything. Like I see people editing on iPads with like LumaFusion and I can't do it. It's too it's crazy. weird. Yeah. My brain is so set into this like yeah. world. But I, so I gave up on that video that I was texting you about. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. I, what's so funny is I, you know, I was doing these videos like switching to Resolve for 30 days and yeah. Resolve is similar enough to Premiere that it wasn't so crazy that I just gave up. It definitely took longer than I thought, but I was able to make the video, learn it, and now I feel like I'm pretty proficient in Resolve. And Mm -hmm. it came out of a thing where I just want to be able to jump into any editor for some reason too. I just want to be like on it. And so I was like, okay, that Resolve video was a pain in the butt, but I think it (laughs) helps a lot of people. And I'm like, time to move on to Final Cut. I lasted two days and I was like, I can't, Mm. I can't even, it's just like, it's so different. It's just like hiring an editor. It's going to take you three to six months to learn the language. It's a completely different language. Does John edit in Final Cut or is he in Premiere? He's in Premiere. I actually keep telling him that, that he should, 
Yeah, I keep telling him that he should try Final Cut because he only edits iPhone footage too. Oh, like, that'd be bro. perfect. It's so optimized for uh, H.265 and I Mac know. hardware. Yeah, he totally should. By the way, we're talking about John Hill. You're newly <laughs> uh, engaged to John. So mm -hmm. he's your, what you he's call a fiance, really which is so fun to say. attractive fiance. He's an amazing skate. He skateboards. He has a YouTube channel as well. Maybe we could get him on the Check podcast. Would he be down to do that? I bet totally. Oh, heck yeah. I'd love totally. to. I've never he really just has to, gotten to know him. I'd you just love have to, to talk. To talk him. Yeah, you just got to talk to him about me. Just there has to be a solid like 15 minutes okay. of like, okay, a whole Sarah so section. what do you really think about Sarah? <laughs> Just start. What are your favorite parts I think it's pretty her? obvious with the uh, pr amazing proposal video that he uh, shot recently. <laughs> that was true. awesome. Yes, yes. That was so sweet. Congratulations, by the way. I haven't Thank told you, you in person. Um, Thank you. Marriage is the best decision I ever made. So yeah, um, I'm excited. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe we could help you out with that Final Cut video. Uh, maybe we could do something <laughs> with that. Yeah, but, we'll, we'll see if I can uh, even get started again. <laughs> That's the thing that's so cool about... I mean, it, it would suck if that was your only option. Like, it's great that there are options. I think DaVinci Resolve is such an exciting program, even though I'm not using it, even though mm -hmm. you're not using it full-time. The fact that it's free and that it's so yeah. unbelievably powerful means that a kid who's in high school with uh, just a PC or basic mm -hmm. MacBook can download it and start working at a professional level. Like they could literally yeah. start shoot like editing with a real editor that, you know, pros are using, especially colorists. Yeah. But, um, no, that's, that's why it is so exciting. That's why I wanted to make that video because mm -hmm. a lot of people can't afford that monthly fee. So having yeah. a program like that is amazing. I mean, it really is pretty crazy. Let's move on to podcast that creative life you have a podcast as yeah. well it's kind of meta to talk about a podcast in a podcast but what what made you decide to start a podcast and you know what are some of your favorite guests that you've had on it and what what's been the journey with that whole side of your career yeah thank you for asking it's it really started as i just enjoy conversations with creatives people in the business field that's um you know going back to a creative space tv my docuseries i was having 40 minute interviews with these creatives but i was off camera and then mm. um fast forward a little bit i started doing it was called that creative life um and it was mm. me talking to the camera but it was also i interviewed people like chase jarvis and it was more in like 15 minute video segments mm -hmm. and um I was like, oh, I just need to make this a podcast. So I've been having those conversations. I've interviewed people since the dawn of time, it feels like. So it was definitely a natural move a few years ago. And it's it's just been so fun because I was really missing those conversations. Those uh, A lot of times making a YouTube video has turned into such a production it's or just such a thing that a lot of times it's hard uh it's hard a little bit harder to collaborate and i think a podcast is such mm -hmm. a you know in one hour you know what to expect it's easy for people to come hang out and just chat and also provide a ton of value to the audience so that's been so fun for me we're 80 episodes in we started with gary vaynerchuk we've had people like linus tech tips hank green marquez brownlee l mills um so a lot of people from youtube the business world and really just talking to how you know how do you make 
money? How do you live that creative life and pursue something creative, but also make a career out of it? Because it is so, uh, it, there's not one clear path. Mm-hmm. So if I can interview all these people and one episode is the, you know, the, oh, wait, that clicked for, you know, people. Yeah. That's, that's all all I'm there for. Because I remember my one clicking point was uh, I had watched Gary Vee. I was watching him like in 2015. He barely had 100,000 subscribers, but he just said to the camera, oh, well, you know, you don't like have to finish college. And it sounds so silly, but (laughs) I had never heard anyone say that. Mm -hmm. It wasn't even in my brain. And him just expressing that. Yeah was such an aha moment because I had never even thought about that. Oh my gosh, wait, I don't have to continue college and go into debt. So if I can create those aha moments for people, like that's dope. Absolutely. And I can speak, you know, for myself in a meta way, doing a podcast right now with you. And I know you might be able to relate to this too. Like, of course, we're doing the podcast for people to hear it and to be inspired, but man, have I like been so inspired personally by all these incredible people. And it's, I interview somebody new every single week. And even if people have similar ideas or similar concepts, it's amazing how different and unique every single person is with the way they look at their creative life. And I can take little nuggets of like information that all these different people have given me to create my own Mm -hmm. viewpoint and my own, um, you know, plan for my career or whatever and it's so cool to be selfishly for me to like interview people because i'm literally getting all this free information (laughs) exactly exactly right no it's a treat as an interviewer too right yeah exactly because this is quite literally the um hi can i bother you to pick your brain for coffee (laughs) guys this is literally us just hacking that never ask anyone that because that's not beneficial to anyone (laughs) but you make it a podcast and of course people want to talk about themselves and have something to share and have an audience that's exciting yeah exactly it's the modern version of let's have coffee and chat (laughs) Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, so between YouTube and your podcasts, how do you have time for anything else, like other projects and stuff? Is that your life right now? Yeah, I mean, it's it's quite literally my entire life. Um, <laughs> we were I talking mean... about uh, Animal Crossing <laughs> uh, and how that just yeah. came out on Nintendo Switch. Are you going to get that or Man, you don't have time? I want to play it so bad, but <laughs> the, the visceral reaction almost told, like it told me exactly what I actually needed to know. Like people's obsession with it is like, <laughs> oh, because of this, I don't think I'm going to download this game because <laughs> I quite literally do not have time. Um, yeah. I mean, one of my favorite times is like dinner with John, block out an hour to watch Billions or something. So I definitely get billions. my content in, get my, oh, have you not heard of that show? I literally am searching it right now. No, I've never seen this. Oh my gosh. So you it's can showtime rent show. Showtime on Apple TV. Uh-huh. It's nine ninety nine a month. Okay. But it is so good. Oh my gosh. It's so good. I've never heard it of it. It is good content. It's good yeah. content. It's because so it's Showtime. I don't have Showtime. It's worth it. And okay. they're, they're coming out with a new season in May. There's a yeah. couple of so, some shows she watches on that. I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's one of those things where John and I will have our shows and we'll chill around dinner time. And then um, 
we definitely get in a solid two to three hours after dinner time too mm-hmm. but that's definitely kind of our our defined chill time <laughs> aren't you watching some like, other show right now i've been seeing on social media what are you what are you watching right now oh on Netflix, okay right? well we before that yeah so we're actually re-watching billions to okay. prepare for the new season <laughs> um but i started watching veep uh-huh and it's just honestly so that's on hbo yeah and i almost wish i didn't watch it because like seeing what's going down Mm. now in the world it's just like it makes you look at everything and just laugh yeah which might be good but then like really serious stuff is happening (laughs) and having people in high positions that might not take things as seriously as you would like Mm. is a problem when it's in a tv show it's funny yeah (laughs) so it's it's basically a show about julia ann dreyfus being the vice president Uh and she is just such an awful person in the show and (laughs) It is so funny and it is so, it's not a show to like watch with kids or watch with your mom. It's like very vulgar, Um, but it's just a treat. Yeah, that's a good show too. Good content. There's good content content. everywhere, man. Good content, you know? Absolutely. What what do you got going on? What's, are you got any future projects you're working on? Are you like, are you gonna get back into the mini docs at all? Have you thought about doing that? in your current yeah. like, workflow? Um, you know what's funny? Every time I try to go and do a bigger project like that, mm. I just filmed a lot when I went to a Wetzler, Germany and hung out at Leica HQ. Yes. I still have a ton of footage from that that I really wanted to make I was so jealous something of that like one. that from I it. love Leica. But, I'm a Leica fanboy. Yeah. And that's what's so cool. You know, they have such a heritage and so i was like oh i could make a really cool doc about this but then like it sucks i hate to admit it i'm like i don't know what i would title it it would Mm. bomb yeah if one video bombs you're literally spending the next month trying to like dig your channel out of the grave yeah um and yeah it's kind of like it's kind of i don't know i enjoy the videos i make now but um all of those passion projects that i was doing it gave me the credibility at that time when I, you know, yeah, a lot of people were looking for quality content to subscribe. Um, but then certain things people just don't watch. And like, do I want to spend, do I want to put everything on hold to do this one thing that, you know, 10,000 people are going to watch? I don't know. That's, that's harder to be motivated by that, yeah. right? When the stuff that puts food on the table and honestly is just a little bit funner to make and because mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't take months to produce. Yeah. Um, Here's what I have a problem with because I'm in the camera. I feel like our audiences are, are similar-ish uh, with my YouTube channel, Kinetika. It's like gear reviews. Uh, I think m- you might lean more into the tech stuff. I don't really do computers and phones. I just only do camera stuff. But uh, there's a little crossover there for sure. I feel like the tech and camera space, it's almost like the standard of the quality of it has to be so much higher than like if you were just a plain old entertainer. You know what I mean? Like if I'm not shooting in 4K, people call me out on it. If my audio is bad, I get comments like, dude, your audio is garbage. What's going on here? Like you have to have the credibility of a filmmaker. That's that's why I 
exactly that's why i relish in being like the relatable tech youtuber i'm like my stuff looks pretty good but i'm not gonna aim for marquez because that's marquez's thing sure. right so it's like come over and have a good time we might not be filming in 4k every time but we're gonna <laughs> try to keep it in focus for you and <laughs> let's have fun <laughs> what i mean in your early days with your vlogs you were shooting on the rx100 that didn't have a mic yeah. jack on it was that, I know, and the audio was awful. Was that intentional those were so, too? Or like, I mean, I just knew if I was going to vlog, I needed to make it as easy as possible. Mm -hmm. And the RX100 had a like good enough image coming out of it. But yeah, I, I watch back those videos and I'm like, my audio is just terrible. Like the moment I switched to my a7s2 with the mic, it was just so much better. But then that's so, it's so heavy to, yeah. you know, bring with you everywhere. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's like whatever camera you're excited to use and have on you, that's going to be the best camera. Yeah. There's no way in heck I'm ever going to be using like a freaking C500 or something. <laughs> you know, I've no, never used that thing. Sure. So, okay. So I did an AMA on Twitter and Instagram. I'll ask you a couple of questions here. Um, this one is from Jake on Twitter. Has there ever been a point where you felt it necessary to take a step back from YouTube? I understand a lot of content creators hit a plateau at times and take time to live their personal lives outside of the media, social <clears throat> media spotlight. And seeing in recent events, you got engaged and uh, not sure if you have any wedding or honeymoon vlogs properly mm -hmm. planned out. Is there break time around the corner for her? Um so yeah, that's from Jake on yeah. Twitter. How do you balance that? What's up, Jake? Yeah, um, my balance is I just don't share it. So mm -hmm. when I was vlogging, that was probably the the most, you know, when you're posting Monday through Friday, it, that was just awful. Um, and so I had to make, luckily it didn't get to the point where a lot of people get to where they just quit full force. I was able to just kind of take a step back and do what I started doing one video, two videos a week making videos that I want and that's that you know yeah. um the once I discovered that the pressure of vlogging was an unnecessary pressure that it was I was just doing it because everyone else was um once I was like oh I can create on my terms it got back to a much more healthy flow I mean I work all the time but it's because I want to it's not like I I feel this oh I have to share my entire life I mean uh John made a video about the engagement and I shared it on Instagram because mm -hmm. Instagram and Twitter are so nice I mean it's the people who intentionally follow me but even like mentioning it in a YouTube video I got a few comments that I just I was like, oh, yeah, okay. I'm reminded why I don't share a lot of personal stuff because even though my immediate audience is amazing and supportive and creative and beautiful, the moment you hit that upload button to the public, you're going to get a lot of opinions from other people who you just don't want them. I mean, there's some like nasty people out there. So um, I think I kind of shield myself from it uh, mm -hmm. by just like not sharing. Like, I don't think I'm going to post any wedding stuff onto my channel or you know maybe i'll do it on instagram but it's kind of yeah. just something i intentionally have protected from the moment i knew john and i were i mean we had fun in the beginning teasing the will they want they you know the first six months but then once it became like oh this is a really serious thing and i like really care for him and our relationship i was like "Ooh, youtube doesn't get that <laughs> <laughs> so i think it's I think I've been able to not burn out yeah. um, and, it helps and that still he, really enjoy he's what a I do too. by not yeah. posting that. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So the two of you can be involved in each other's content and it's not weird for either one. Like you're not 
like for me, I have two kids and a wife and my wife has mm-hmm. asked for me not to include my kids in in my social media life. And yeah. so I'm intentionally not including them or her. Like I'm not yeah. including her in any way. I, ha- I have a public Instagram and I have a private one that mm-hmm. my parents and my friends and family follow uh, yeah. where I post pictures of my kids. So like yeah, you have to be real exactly. intentional and goodness gracious, I've learned that so much right now with, I just got robbed recently here. And mm-hmm. like now I'm re- really rethinking everything. It's like, if you're a successful anything on the internet and you're putting out like, hey, I'm I'm hanging out at the pier, like if you're doing it live, like there's creepy weirdos who will come to you and either ask you weird questions or steal all your stuff because they see like, oh, they have yeah. a bag full of cameras. I could just walk over there and go steal it from them, you know, so got to be yeah. careful out there. Maybe I'm no, exactly. maybe I'm a little too paranoid because I'm like right on the edge of all that right now. But <laughs> no, I mean I think there's you know having a healthy dose of that mm-hmm. I think is is good. And then the people who make the conscious decision to share their stuff, there's nothing wrong with that. You just have to know that it comes with um, a certain level of criticism and thick skin. <laughs> so, Decaria uh, or Decaria, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing this, asks on Twitter, <laughs> advice on helping female creatives. Can we, sp- yeah. can we speak on that? Um, from, from her, what was the question exactly? Well, from whose it's, point of it's view? actually advice on helping female creatives get over their fears on being cam- of being on camera. It's actually the specific mm. question. Yeah. But you can also just um, overall. Yeah, I think that's, it. you know, I think um, like, honestly, I think a lot of women or just in general, anyone who has makeup and hair is a part of their routine. Yeah. Um, it, it takes much more effort to get in front of the camera. I mean, literally after not wearing any makeup or doing my hair for a week, it took me just hours to even get into the <laughs> the the attitude. Uh-huh. Um but I I mean, I could honestly bring it back to the story that I told earlier with the video that went viral. Mm-hmm. I almost didn't post that cuz I didn't like the way I looked in a certain shot. Mm. And I think a lot of times our insecurities or mm. what have you gets in the way of a lot of the breakthroughs and not to say that oh my gosh guys it takes time like it takes so much time to get comfortable in front of the camera and literally the only way to get more comfortable with it is to just keep doing it so you don't have to post every video you make but just make those videos watch it through you know it's gonna be cringy in the beginning but you just (laughs) have to make 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 and i mean thank goodness i posted that video because that's literally what led me to my life today Mm -hmm. um do you know what shot it is though every time you see it yeah yeah it's the freaking (laughs) a roll of me and my Nashville apartment and Uh it was it was like the outro too and it was a lot of a lot of the shots in that video I was really quiet because I was in my friend's co-working space and I knew there was um people right next to me working Uh and I didn't want to sound like I was talking to myself so there there (laughs) are a lot of things that once you pick up the camera you start talking to a camera it's like it's intimidating right you kind of just got to do it and so there were moments where i was like really quiet and you know you watch it back in the edit and you're like ah sarah you don't talk like that what are you doing (laughs) and then at the very end there was just like this huge shadow on my face Mm. 
and I just felt so, and my hair was like stick straight, and I just felt, I don't know, when I watched it back, I was like, oh man, I seem so awkward there. And um, <laughs> you're making it yeah, worse than the, uh, than it is. I'm looking at it right now, and yeah. it's uh, I wouldn't, oh, gosh. No, I wouldn't think twice about it. You look it. so much younger, though. I yeah. will say, yeah, yeah. So I think it's one of those things that you have to realize that everyone else has probably very similar insecurities mm. that you do. And trust me, like, I understand having a regimen of like doing hair and makeup is so annoying. I am just so jealous of John who just rolls out of bed and he's ready. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, you just have to keep on keeping on. Heck yeah. And then lastly from Instagram, Mr. Simple 14 asks, what has been your biggest obstacle since being thrust into the YouTube spotlight? Wow, so aggressive. <laughs> thrust. <laughs> See, I don't even feel like it. it was that. Yeah. yeah. Since my first okay. YouTube video was in 2011. Yeah. When I kind of got that break that everyone's familiar with, you know, but they like, think it's like an overnight thing. And I'm like, y'all, I've been waiting for this. <laughs> <laughs> that's how that's how every great artist is, though. Like, I remember I was a fan of fun, like, years before they ever oh, blew yeah. up. And I was like, guys, I've been, you know everybody has a band that they were fans of before they were big and it's like mm -hmm. i was i knew them back when nobody knew who they were because and so i'm cooler than you you know but um yeah. yeah i mean there's no such thing as overnight success that you're only seeing the tip of the iceberg but i guess the, i guess the question really is then there's like what's one of your biggest obstacles you know that you're facing <clears throat> as a youtuber yeah i think probably what everyone deals with it's just it is so up and down that when things are down you just got to remind yourself like it'll be back up uh you know just sometimes youtube is just not showing the love yeah. <laughs> um and <laughs> you just gotta move on to the next video i mean that's mm. even where i am now i'm having kind of like the biggest slump i've had in a really long streak of doing really well and you know you start beating yourself up for it but then like you have to take notice of like okay like the world is kind of ending right now yeah so it might be a little bit acceptable for things to be rocky right um but yeah just i think that's been the hardest thing it not you know when a video does bad not beating yourself up about it um and the yeah youtube is like oddly you just don't know what to expect so every day is a new challenge and that's why it's exciting and that's why I do enjoy it for the most part. Um, mm -hmm. But that's also why it's the most stressful thing sometimes. But anyone who runs their own business mm -hmm. understands the, that. That's not unique to being a YouTuber. Um, when you don't have anyone to blame, when you don't have a boss above you, mm -hmm. um, when you don't have coworkers to blame and it's just you at the end of the day, you're the only person who has responsibility, like you learn a lot from that. Absolutely. I think sometimes it's yeah. it's easy to forget the long term and Gary Vee talks about it all the time and I'm reminded of it yeah. like even if you have a couple of months of like average views or whatever you're building a long term following and career that will last hopefully you know till you're dead no matter uh, you know exactly. I don't know if YouTube will last 30 40 years it probably will more than likely it'll, it'll definitely take different I feel like YouTube's yeah, the one that will it. be standing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the only one that will be standing after years and years. And it, who knows what it's going to look like in 30, 40 years when there's different types of content. I mean, 
gosh, you know, mm-hmm. virtual reality and stuff like that could become something really interesting. I don't know. I mean, one of your your most viewed video actually is I was surprised skydiving in 360 virtual reality. Yeah. What happened mm-hmm. there? What's the story with that? 7.7 million views. Isn't that's that crazy? more than double of your yeah. second most viewed video, which has 3 million. What happened yeah. with that? That so that was actually a brand deal with samsung mm-hmm. and it was it's so funny um but the one thing you know you get on a phone call oh new 360 camera we're shipping you know our vr uh new vr goggles like we want people to have content so they they helped with it and and put it on a list of videos that like once people got their goggles with their new samsung galaxy phone like those were one of the first videos that you watch um but when i hopped on the phone with them when i was doing that they're like okay like you have to remember with vr and 360 like you can't do anything where like the x-axis is changing you don't want to make people sick (laughs) (laughs) and then of course i'm like oh okay but how cool would skydiving be (laughs) (laughs) so it's like completely going against their wishes of best practices but it turned out that people really enjoyed it and of course if you like how fun is that if you just want to experience vr for the first time like the curiosity of Mm -hmm. jumping out of a plane like even if it does make you a little nauseous like that's fun you want to watch that so i mean it's it's nauseous when you're doing it so yeah exactly so very cool for for two or three years there you would see a spike every year on december 26th when people either got the (laughs) vr goggles or a new samsung galaxy phone so very cool i love the top comment next time i watch this i'm gonna jump off my couch (laughs) i love it (laughs) that's awesome cool well everybody go check that out um okay so we're coming to the end of the podcast how how have i done as a fellow podcaster yourself amazing no it's easy with friends you know it just seems like a casual convo yeah. hopefully we've provided some value I mean, for the we, people at home i guess we've known each other over a year now we met at ces last year yeah. and we met yeah, yeah. in uh this really weird uh sushi restaurant and you're not a sushi fan right no i'm not and, i don't even remember that well what was crazy about that i think you were in and out you had another meeting or something and like <clears throat> oh my gosh, it was probably the best sushi I ever had in my life. And there you are like, I'm sorry, I don't appreciate this. And Connor was relating with you because he hates sushi. But like, <laughs> it was literally like a like a hundred, $200 sushi meal. That is so... And it's so... Oh! Do you remember that? It was for with... Atomos. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Yeah, that's, that's where we met. And then... <laughs> I had a music video that I was working on and thankfully mm-hmm. you were willing to be in it. The iPhone parody video, um, which was a lot it's of fun. Freaking jam. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's fun having you on, but, um, podcasts are fun. Like you oh, said, it's not. just a great way to hang yeah. out. Um, exactly. but yeah, I had a, you were on Leron's podcast from vidIQ. Do you remember him? from a vid summit or I don't remember VidCon or something. He asked me a question when I was on his podcast and I love the question. I don't think he asked you. So I'm going to ask it in lieu of Leron, but um, it's this great. I love it. If you could put anything on a billboard in the middle of Times Square, what would you Mm. put 
on the billboard? What's your message to the world? You know world? where he you know where he got that question from? No, I don't. It's that's that's the Tim Ferriss question. Oh, jeez, I don't listen to Tim Ferriss. All right, so well then I'll give he it to him. He stole it from Tim Ferriss. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Have you answered that I would before? Say, um, no, but I listened to Tim Ferriss <laughs> religiously. Okay. So, and that's what he asks well, his. Then, uh, well, then yes, I'm yeah, taking that no. away from Liron. Sorry, Liron. <laughs> it's not yours. It's Tim's. No wonder yes, he stopped asking exactly. it in his podcast because he's like, wait a minute. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, that's good. It's a good question, though. Um, so I'm going to ask it anyways. Yeah, it makes you think, right? I would totally say subscribe, <laughs> yeah. youtube.com slash I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, it can be a moment for self-promotion. That's fine. I, you know what I would put? I would put um, something that I like lived by it's what i put on my first t-shirts that i ever tried to sell um but i put stay curious because mm. that's just like the story of my life those rabbit holes that you find yourself in going like pursue those yes keep yeah stay curious curious yes. like a cat is what uh, yes is what exactly is there any last kind of advice or uh, thing that you'd like to say somebody starting out you know imagine little sarah listening to this podcast right now what do you want to tell her what do you want to tell that person man just stick with your gut my gut has never betrayed me i think one of the uh biggest decisions in my life was you know dropping out of college and it seemed so big at the time when looking back it was just something that was in the way for so long and i would have regretted it um and people always say you know they say you can always go back or it's only a year and a half you only have a year and a half left and if I stayed for that final year and a half everything that happened literally happened like two months after I dropped out oh, wow. um and it was like a culmination of me wanting you know all of it for like years and years and years so um I have such a I don't know. When people say it's just a year, I'm like, just a year? Do you know how long a year is? Do you know yeah. how much work you also, can get done in a year? Do you know how many... It's in you your know? early 20s, too, when you don't have any... Exactly. Unless you're married and have kids at that point. But, like, most people aren't... You have nothing to worry about. Mm-hmm. It's you a, can full send. Yeah. Yeah. So, for any youngsters out there, full send. Stay curious. There you go. Heck, Yeah. I think that's a great way to end it. Everybody go follow Sarah Dietschy on YouTube. It's just her name uh, spelled D-I-E-T-S-C-H or C-H-Y. Yeah. It's it's a toughie. And her name (laughs) does not have an H at the end. It's S-A-R-A. That's a common misspelling. I'm sure it's very frustrating for you, but it is what it is. (laughs) My name is a mess. You guys can just Google Sarah Dietschy or find me on all of the podcast apps at That Creative Life. And I think, yeah, I have a here, let me see here. mess of a name. Let me see. I'm going to type Sarah Peachy with an H at the end of your name yeah. and boom, it still works. Oh. So I actually yeah. spelled Sarah wrong and put Peachy mm-hmm. and the first result is your website, your YouTube, boom. your Instagram, boom. Good. I got that, that SEO, y'all. Good job on that SEO. Very smart. <laughs> um, so yeah, Sarah Peachy rhymes with Peachy. Go check her out. Thank you so much, Sarah, for being on the Golden Hour Podcast. And uh, of course, just stay safe out there on your bike in uh, in New York, all stranded, alone. Of course, I the, know uh, on this crazy island that is Manhattan. 
Awesome. Well, congrats again to you and John. And uh, we look forward to not seeing any wedding photos on the internet because that's personal. Exactly. I'll post some pictures. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have to. You gotta see it. You gotta see it. It'll be great. All right. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, Dave. I hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with Sarah Dietschy. We are grateful to her for taking the time to be on this show. And if you don't subscribe to Sarah's YouTube channel already, we encourage you to do so. Also, if you like this podcast, you will certainly love Sarah's podcast, That Creative Life, where Sarah interviews artists, YouTubers, CEOs, and everything in between. Once again, make sure to check out our website, polarpro.com, to learn more about the Light Chaser Pro system, as well as check out some of the amazing Focus Series short films that we've made. Once again, I'm Dave. Dave Mays, this is the Golden Hour Podcast, and we'll see you next week.